0: I was just thinking, what characterizes our fellowship here at Lake Howe? Well, I think love is what we're aiming for, right? That's what we want to be the overwhelming characteristic of uh, our fellowship here. We are not trying to produce whitewashed tombs, right? That Christ talked about, people who look good on the outside, but inside are not walking with the Lord. We all want to grow in Christ and build each other up. That's what we're after. And we love one another because, and I think probably to the extent that we understand and rejoice in God's love to us. Now, love that is not holy is not love. And I think we see that exemplified in the cross. Love that is not holy is not love. Jesus died a, (coughs) excuse me, a torturous, shameful death because love is holy. Now, what does it mean to love a friend who is sinning? This can be an extremely difficult thing to figure out, especially when you are a young person, and it's a very common thing that young people have to figure out. It's a normal thing for, uh, and when you are in your youth at some age, to have to deal with a friend who is going in the wrong direction with their life. What do you do? How do you deal with that? Well, I would suggest in love, and that's what most people treat their friends. They think they're treating them in love, but what does that really mean? How do you how do you love a person in that situation? Take a look at Proverbs chapter twenty-seven, and then we're going to be turning to Galatians chapter five. We'll start in Proverbs. 27, and I'm going to read beginning in verse 5. Proverbs 27, 5 says, Better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. Faithful, verse 6, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. I think we get a good solid hint there, is how to, in love, relate to a friend walking according to the flesh instead of the spirit turn over to Galatians chapter 5 now and I'm going to read a uh, fairly lengthy passage here because I think it has a it, it's just very helpful to try to think and how to, it can be so confusing when somebody we love is turning away from the Lord um, how do we even think about that how do we think in terms of our relationship with Galatians chapter 5 verse 13, we'll start there. Galatians 5 13, for you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Just as an aside, Sometimes a person who is sinning will feel like and may say, hey, you're biting and devouring me if you are really giving a faithful wound. The idea isn't to wound. That's not the point. The idea is faithful. But if you are being faithful, they may feel a wound. And what they call that wound may be inaccurate. But um, on the other hand, we are to be in love delivering whatever truth we need to. We do not want to bite and devour one another, right? So what's the solution here? What does Paul say? And I think inspired by the Holy Spirit, Galatians five sixteen. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh for the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. And to me, this is one of the most helpful places in all of Scripture to understand what is going on inside me and what's going inside on inside of every believer who has not yet been uh, taken home to be with the Lord. We've got the old nature and the new nature, and they don't get along real well. So inside you, you've got a battle going on, and it's going to be that way until Christ returns for us or until he takes us through death. So just... Understand that that's what's going on (coughs) in each of us. Okay, verse 17, for the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are, and so he's saying, hey, this is obvious stuff, guys. Um, If you're walking into the flesh, here's some of the kinds of things that you might see. Immorality impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you just as I have forewarned you, so this isn't the first time you told them this, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now if you look down that list, you'll see some things that you might think oh horrors this would be a truly horrific thing i can't even imagine somebody doing such a thing um, other things you might think everybody does that what's the big deal right well it's all and he says things like these they're all in the same group right so it's just good to understand these are all things produced by the flesh all right that's that's the category we're talking about these are things produced by the flesh well it describes what well, we were. We could turn to Ephesians 2 for another example of, um, of that, but I, just to see what we were like prior to being saved by the grace of Christ and God. But 1 Corinthians 6, I'd like to look at that briefly. <coughs> I find 1 Corinthians 6 very helpful in clarifying here in the Galatians 521 where he says, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Does that mean that a believer, if you practice these things, things is going to lose his salvation? The correct answer is no. No. If you're truly saved, you cannot lose your salvation. It does not depend on you any more than initially getting saved depending on you. You aren't saved by works. You don't keep yourself saved by works. So it's not your work. So, but this is, you know, it could be a difficult passage to understand. So let's take a look at first Corinthians six, which I think is a parallel passage to this that helps explain it. First <clears throat> Corinthians six verses nine to 11. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? So same kind of language that we've read here, right? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you, but you were washed, (coughs) you were sanctified, you but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. So it's not a matter of um, just our behavior can make us lose our salvation. The point is, behavior is significant. Yes, that's why Christ died, is because of the sins we commit. And this kind of stuff isn't going to be in the kingdom of God, right? But we've been washed from all these things. The blood of Christ is so powerful, it can actually transform us. So that we will, we know when we go to be with him, we will be glorified. That sin nature will be gone. Okay. So I think to me, that's helpful to understand. <coughs> uh, back to Galatians 6. Sorry, I meant to tell you to keep your finger there, but just to finish off here, um, or actually Galatians 5, we're finishing in Galatians 5, and then I'm going to get to Galatians 6 a little bit. The point is that we are to behave like the new people we are, right? The flesh produces the works of death that we just read. So let's see what the Spirit of God produces here in verse uh, 22, Galatians 5:22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. When you become aware of a friend, a brother and sister in Christ, pursuing sin, the exhortation here is to be a faithful friend. Say the difficult things that may hurt their pride. You do so in love and in gentleness, being careful not to be pulled into their wrong thinking. Their tears can influence you. Their anger can influence you. Their scorn can influence you. All kinds of things a friend can do to influence you. Um, Not to mention just simply, hey, what they're doing may sound like it's kind of fun, or they may make it sound that way. So, in Galatians 6. You who are spiritual, that is those of you who are walking in the spirit as to walking in the flesh, right? If you're walking in the flesh, you're not going to be much help to somebody else walking in the flesh. But, uh, spiritual doesn't mean the elders of the church, somebody who is some exalted position. It's, this is written to Joe Blow Christian. It's written to each of us. Okay. So we, in the exhortation is for us. Hey, we have got the battle going in on inside us. So does our sinning brother or sister, right? Now they're letting, they're feeding the flesh. They're walking according to the flesh, and you're seeing it. The exhortation is, you've got that same battle in yourself, but you're walking according to the Spirit. Okay. And now, what are you going to do? How are you going to help this person? How are you going to relate to them? You need to do it with gentleness and try to restore them, right? Restore such one in the spirit of gentleness but being careful that you're not sucked in to walking in the flesh with them, okay? What you don't want to do is encourage your friend in their sin or pretend that it doesn't matter for your friendship, that they're, hey, that's okay, or, you know, whatever. There's all kinds of ways of glossing over things and making it seem like no big deal. Our friendship isn't based on that kind of thing. We're still enjoy playing racquetball together or whatever, you know, it's like, it's no big deal. You don't want to do that, that, is deceitful and acting as an enemy, actually, if you consider what Proverbs had to say. It's acting as an enemy, both toward your friend and toward God. If you remember, um, he who would be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God, right? Um, So that's, you don't want to go down that road. Well, here's another thing that I have seen and I think probably participated in in my especially when I was younger, because as I said, I I ran into this more often as a younger person. Of course, now I sit in my office and type on the computer and don't see as many people as I did when I was a kid going to public school. But um, What if you've already started going down that path of deceitful kisses with a sinning friend? You've sort of brushed it under or you've encouraged them in some way or you've been thinking that this is how I'm going to love them or I, I can't say anything against it, or otherwise I'm going to lose my voice with them. And I have seen enough to know that that doesn't work. That's all a lie. It's all a lie. Um, it's certainly more comfortable not to be confrontational, but there is a time to be confrontational. And uh, by refusing to be confrontational at times, in a gentle way to bring up things that are hard, by refusing to do that, it's actually wrong. It's actually sin, deceitful. By the kisses of an enemy, Um, so like any other sin, if you end up starting down that track, what do you do? You confess it, right? Just like any other sin in your life. Hey, we've all got this battle going on. When we realize, wait a minute, I've been walking in the flesh here. First thing we do is we say, God, I'm sorry. Try to hide from God. That doesn't historically that hasn't gone well for a single person in all of history. So (laughs) you can go all the way back to Adam and Eve. And all the way up to the present time, it's not going to go well trying to hide from God, right? And obviously, God knows everything anyway. Why do we want to hide from him? And he loves us, right? So we realize it's, it's embarrassing, there's shame, whatever. Christ died for that. He knows it. He knew it before you did it. He took that punishment for the sins you're going to commit tomorrow. He's already taken the punishment, right? So go to him humbly and confessing it and repenting of it and what does 1 John 1 9 say if we confess our sins he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness think of the prodigal son the father and the prodigal son looking out the window waiting for somebody to come you know a son to come back that's the posture of God he's longing to forgive us he knows we're sinning he we left the house took his money and we're out swandering whatever he knows it and he's waiting with love and eager arms to receive us back when we confess our sins, right? So that's the first thing we do, just like with any sin. And he will instantly forgive us. It's not a matter of penance. It's not a matter of things we've got to do to prove we're really... God knows our hearts. When we go to God, he knows our hearts. For people, we don't know each other's hearts so well. But with God, it's instant forgiveness. He knows our hearts. So once we've done that, then the thing to do is to go to your friend who is still sinning and apologize to them, because you have actually sinned against them by not being a faithful friend and wounding them you need to. And you know, this is something that I think we have probably all observed at least, if we have not been actually involved with at some point in our lives, it's not an uncommon thing at all. Um, but it is a very important thing that we get it right, and if we've started wrong, that we turn around and get and start on the right path in these things. None of us are perfect, and that's going to be a very favorite thing for a person who's sinning to throw in your face, right? Hey, you're not perfect either. Well, that's not the point, right? We know we're not perfect. We've got this battle inside us, but there is a difference between aiming to please our Savior and any other aim, aiming to please self, aiming to please anything else, aiming for whatever, If you're not aiming to please your savior, then you're on the wrong path. You're walking according to the flesh and that needs to be dealt with. (coughs) So we want to help those who are aiming the wrong direction to turn back and aim to please our best and eternal friend, Jesus Christ. That's much more important than our, the other friends that we have who may scorn us. They may turn against us. Those things may happen, to truly treat them as a friend. This is what we need to do. We need to follow the scriptures and see what God has said. Love is holy, and it is the loving thing to do to try to bring them back. Now, very encouraging thoughts in James 5:19. <coughs> excuse me. James 5:19 and 20. Very, <coughs> excuse me, my goodness. At the very end of the book of James. My brethren. If any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Love does cover a multitude of sins. And when we, in love, go to someone and faith be faithful to them by telling them truth, even when they don't want to hear it, and doing it in a gentle way, an encouraging way, trying, exhorting them to return to our Savior. This is what it's talking about. I just think the verse that I've really been thinking about a lot is Proverbs 27, 6. Faithful, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. So let's be friends and not enemies. Not looking to create whitewashed tubes, but to truly build each other up in love and to really love one another from the heart. That's my thoughts for this evening.